Well, good morning. My name is Father Dan Malaco, and there's two things you need to know about me. One, I love Jesus, and two, I love CrossFit, okay? If you like any of those things, we're gonna be friends. Someone told me the other day that I should add my mom to that list because I guess it means I'm a bad son that she didn't make it, so here's my new list. Jesus, CrossFit, and then my mom, okay? If you also love my mom, that's kind of weird, so don't tell me that. But anyway, speaking of my family, when I was growing up, uh, one of the best things that my family ever decided to do was to install a pool in our backyard. Uh, it was awesome. I gotta admit, like we basically stopped going to the beach and we live right near the beach for a couple of years because our pool was just so accessible and easy and private and four feet away from us and we didn't have to get in the car and go get all sandy and whatnot. But one of the things I loved most about my parents set up in the backyard was that I think on some level my parents wanted to just be a bunch of hippies because we had a bunch of fruit trees planted all around our yard. So it was the best thing in the world to get out of the pool on a hot summer day, walk over to one of those fruit trees and just pick something off the tree, eat it, throw the stem or whatever was left over back under the tree and hop in the pool again. That's like my quintessential summertime memories. It's so wonderful just to think back. Now, we don't own that house anymore and we got rid of the pool, but it was quintessential summertime for me. It was excellent because I felt like all of my needs were met. Jesus uses an example of a fig tree today. And in my backyard, we actually had a fig tree. That was my favorite of all the trees that I would go peruse. It was right off the back corner of our pool, and it was always so ripe with figs during the summer. And Jesus says in the gospel, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, summertime is usually a relatively easy time. We don't have much to worry about. Generally, during the summer months with the warm weather and the longer days, we do more leisure activities and enjoy feeling that security sense because most of our needs are met. But that feeling of security, that carefree existence after having all of our needs met, that's what I really think about when I think of summertime. But we know that summer doesn't stay forever. Eventually, we have other concerns, and we have to start preparing for leaner months of the fall, winter, and even spring. Life has an ebb and a flow to it, and despite our best efforts, seasons change, and so do circumstances. Parishes are no different. They also go through fat and lean years, times in which a parish looks so strong, the people vibrant and the faith alive, and the parish looks as if it will never have a need in the entire world. There are other years when that very same parish will fall on hard times and needs a little extra support to see it through. Much in the same way how Jacob's brothers were forced to go to Pharaoh for help when there was famine in the land. And what happened in that story, Jacob, as Pharaoh's representative, brings rescue to his brothers and the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob brings unity, security, and safety to his brothers out of his excess. Now, St. Mary's Parish in Bowers Hill, Chesapeake, is a parish that was formed in 1915 by Polish immigrants. The church building that they built is the building that we still use. The altar that was hand-carved by Polish craftsmen still stands, and we celebrate Mass at it every weekend. We just had a parishioner design and make a new ambo that matches the original high altar. 
There is a deep and rich history of the diocese at this parish, and the faith is vibrant and strong among its peoples. All of these great aspects of the parish exist, and yet we are classified as a mission parish of the diocese. Now, St. Mary's historically has always been fighting an uphill battle. At the parish's inception, the people were originally told that the land that they were going to buy and emigrate to was beautiful, the soil rich and would grow many crops. When they arrived, however, they learned that what they had purchased was undesirable swampland. But that didn't stop the people. They chose the highest point of elevation in the land and built St. Mary's. They gave the best of their land to the Lord and took the rest for themselves and their livelihood. The people of St. Mary's didn't get to enjoy the peace and security of a summertime feeling for quite a while. But eventually they fixed the land and made it successful for them and their future generations. The faith of the founders still pumps strong through the veins of their actual ancestors, as well as their spiritual children, who have found St. Mary's for what it is the little Catholic jewel of Chesapeake. But this jewel is only one of the many precious stones of the diadem of the diocese. And the crown that holds all those stones in place is the cathedral. Both in symbolism and actuality for many things, the cathedral is the point from which all unity from the diocese flows. We are not many separate churches, but rather as a church, we are one. We are one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. The second reading tells us that because Christ is the high priest, that we do not offer separate sacrifices of the Mass, but our worship, though done in different places and in different times, is still the one sacrifice that Jesus offered once for all. We exist as one body in Christ. In fact, there is a distinct action that the priest does at every Mass that reminds him and those who participate of our union. Union with the bishop, and most importantly, union with Christ. This time is called the fractioning rite, and it happens right after the sign of peace. Taking the already consecrated host, the priest breaks it in some manner, says a prayer, and drops it in the chalice. This moment is deep with symbolism, the action symbolizes Christ's body broken for us so that when we receive Holy Communion, we may be one, united with him. Next, while saying the prayer, may this mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us who receive it, the priest remembers our connection to the church triumphant. We have evidence of this fractioning rite in the first 100 years of the church, that the Pope would break part of his Eucharist to be distributed to other bishops to show their unity. And we have evidence that bishops would do this and have a piece of their Eucharist given to their various priests for the same reason. In the early church, when there were only a few places where the Eucharist would have been offered, the bishop's mass was first, and then the Eucharist was taken to different churches so that a portion of the offering from the bishop's table could be offered by each of the worshiping bodies. This not only showed unity among believers, but also helped them to understand the hierarchy at large. It helped the believers show that they were part of something bigger. So I say again, the cathedral is the place from which all union in the diocese exists and flows out from. 
We still do this action at every Mass offered all around the world every single day, for we are unified in heart, in mind, and most importantly, unified in worship. But unfortunately, sometimes it happens one part of the body of Christ needs more attention. And so I am here today to ask for your support for St. Mary's in Chesapeake. We still have a wonderful body of believers that do so much for us, but sometimes they need a little bit more help than the parishioners can provide. St. Mary's has a capacity that at maximum would hold just about as many people as your transept right here. It's not a large body. Most of its members are rural farmers who are the descendants of the original parishioners. Because St. Mary's was founded on farmland, there are active farms all around us. One avenue that we need to help improve our parish is to be able to access the land that we already own next to the parish. If we are able to access the fields around the church more, it will provide us with more parking and space for outdoor activities such as our very popular Polish Fest. With prices of everything seeming to be increasing these days, we need financial support from a parish that has more resources available to it. So I ask you today to please consider giving what you can during the second collection to help St. Mary's in Chesapeake. For about 10 years now, it has been clustered with three other parishes so that we do not have to lose ground both literally and figuratively in today's culture. So we need your support to help us continue. Any money that you give today will only go to St. Mary's and not any of the other three parishes that Father Tony Morris and myself are in charge of. Now I will be in the back in case there are any questions that you might have about St. Mary's after Mass. In the first reading, we hear Daniel prophesy that Michael, the great prince, the archangel, will save the people and will help them in their time of need. We, the people of St. Mary's, are asking you now the people of the Cathedral of Richmond, the seat from which all unity flows and sets the standard for worship for the rest of our diocese, to be our St. Michael now, to be our protector and help bring some relief to our current financial plight. Like Michael was sent to help the people of Israel, the Cathedral now gets to play the role of the Great Shepherd by not allowing one of her sheep to get lost.